What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving. Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here, and we are back after Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, big weekend in the CFL, some upsets. Big weekend in U Sports and OUA football, some upsets there as well. Uh, looking down to the end of the 401, but Wade, we're back. Happy Thanksgiving, dude. Hope you had a great weekend. How you doing on this Monday evening? I am currently recuperating. Uh, I spent the whole day recovering from my multiple Thanksgiving dinners, which uh, have seen me gain a couple pounds, but it's okay. We went out and ran it off tonight before we started recording. Uh, a couple things that accompanied the turkey, potatoes, and all the other vegetables under the sun was some Sada City beer. Uh, Sada City Brewing Company offers brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This October, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code UCFL during checkout to receive free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only, must be of legal drinking age. Get geared up for game day with Fox 40. The Canadian Football Perspective Podcast Network is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. For all your whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com. While you're there at checkout, enter CFP15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is CFP15 at fox40shop.com. We are going to be talking about the games over the weekend and our thoughts on, you know, midway through U Sports football season. But uh, to start this one off, Harris, Trevor Harris, the quarterback for the Edmonton Elks, the starting or not so starting quarterback for the Edmonton Elks, has been benched. He's hitting the bench. And, you know, it's kind of confusing. Um, we'll get to Rash Madani's tweet about it in a second, but I, our very own. DT had up that, you know, Taylor Cornelius compared to Trevor Harris, completion percentage over expected, down five and a half percent in the CFL, which is 10th best, so below all other starting quarterbacks, and his adjusted pat and his adjusted passing accuracy, third worst in the CFL. Trevor Harris leads the league in both categories. So it may not all be on Trevor Harris for the Elks struggles this season, but Taylor Cornelius hasn't really shown much of an improvement in either category. I like, I honestly don't know what's going on in Edmonton at this point. I don't know what the thought process here is for head coach, Jamie Elizondo. Like, yes, I understand like you're not getting everything out of your offense that you want and that's fine. But like your, your quarterback is Trevor Harris, a proven quarterback in the league and no offense to Dakota Prukop or to Taylor Cornelius or to Taylor Cornelius, but have they gone out and been a part of a great cup winning team? Have they gone out and almost won MOP? Like, I, I don't know. And, and with Trevor Harris, you know what you're getting. Yes. Maybe he has not been as productive as you might wanted, as you may have wanted him to be from a head coaching standpoint, but at what point, do you have to turn and look at your own playbook and go, are we putting our quarterback in positions for success on the season as well? So I, I don't know here. I don't really understand the call to bench Trevor Harris, but uh, I'm going to throw this one to you because I'm confused. I completely understand why Trevor Harris is being benched. He may have better statistical rankings and analytic grades than Taylor Cornelius, 
But Taylor Cornelius has two things that Trevor Harris does not. Youth and an uncoachable cannon arm. And if you have the young quarterback and you think, you know, Trevor Harris might not be long for Edmonton, why not start practicing? If you know Elizondo is going to be your coach for the future, why not start getting the young guy ready for next year? Because live bullets only help work out kinks and you're not going to see the kinks unless he's playing in live games. So uh, I'm confused by the move because Trevor Harris, like we said, is not the problem, but I understand wanting to get a young guy ready. That just kind of means the writing is on the wall for Trevor Harris and his time in Edmonton. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, the writing, I guess, yeah, I said it best, the writing's on the wall. Um, so let's get to that Arash Madani tweet then. With that being said, uh, he tweeted out and said Ottawa, basically the, to, to sum up the tweet, he basically said Ottawa should pick up the phone. He's predicting Trevor Harris to be in Ottawa as of 2022. So I don't know. I, I hey, They've had their own quarterback struggles. So what do you make of this? What do you think? If you are Ottawa, would you rather have Trevor Harris or Jeremiah Masoli? Because that's what I think this is going to come down to. Now, the question is, are we getting the 2019 versions of these guys? Because that's Masoli, no doubt. Or are we getting the 2021 version of these guys? Because then it's kind of a toss-up and I'm leaning a bit more towards Trevor Harris. That being said, Ottawa's front office is more familiar with Trevor Harris, so I could definitely see them leaning back that way. Um, I don't know. Ottawa's going to have a decision to make, and maybe they want to stay with Caleb Evans. I don't know if that's the brightest move, uh, if there's guys on the market that need a a place to go, but uh, what do you think? I I think that, I mean, you know, let's – I don't know. Let's, let's be hypothetical here. Let's say, you know, we hit the off season, gray cups over whatever Winnipeg wins again. Cause that's where it's going to go. But uh, it, we're in the off season and Ottawa has the decision to make between Trevor Harris and Jeremiah Masoli on this one, based on, you know, how they've been running their offense through the 2021 season. I, I just think on, you know, based on what we've seen from the scheming, it makes a little bit more sense to lean to Masoli just kind of the way that, They've been trying to run this offense. I think Masoli is a little bit of a better fit. Look what they're doing right now with Caleb Evans. I know, you know, you, you three game ruled them. So we'll get to that analysis, but like, I I think just based off, you know, the play calling we've seen from Ottawa so far on the offensive side of the ball. Yes. They may be, you know, more familiar with Harris, but are they going to be able to run the offense that they want with Trevor Harris? I I don't know, just based on what we've seen. And I think Masoli kind of, you know, fits in a little bit better if that's the way that you're going to try to go, if that's the direction that you want to take your offense. And it's kind of a similar play style to their young guy. We're going to keep talking about young guys, though. One more, because we got to give a big shout out to friend of the show, Dejan Brissett. Uh, We talked to him way back before he even was drafted by the Argos. I think it was episode two. Yep, it was episode two. And we are all the way down in the 200s for episodes now. So that's quite a bit away, away, but for Dejan, touchdown number one, how sweet it is. Uh, blocked punt by Dion Pellerin. Dejan scoop and score. A little shake off at the goal line to make sure he gets in there. Perfect. Great way to start. Uh, he's been making more and more contributions. We saw yesterday he made the catch that put them in field goal range for Boris Beattie as well. Um, he's 
starting to contribute a lot for these Toronto Argonauts, and I think he's going to be a big factor down the stretch. Yeah, he's starting to make a name for himself, turn some heads. Big day all around for that catch. We got former guest Dejan Verset on the return for the touchdown. We got former East-West bowler Dion De- Pellerin on the block, and then on the call, our very own Marshall Ferguson. So if you're watching that highlight, that is Marsh on the call. So, you know, unreal to see Dejan get his first touchdown. It wasn't a receiving touchdown, but nonetheless finds the end zone. Amazing to see that. Um, if you want, yeah, go back and check out episode two. Hot off the press, brand new on the market, new kids on the block, episode two, CFP. It is with Dejan Brissett, but... I have to scroll quite a bit to get to it. You will. That's a lot of, if you, if your thumbs need some exercise, it's a good way to get it. Uh, OUA though, OUA football. Um, wow. No, in one word, I we guess. We usually try to go through these in order. Let's, let's go right to Can it. We just start there. We're yeah, going wins to are it. upset McMaster. Matt coming off a win against the Waterloo Warriors, a statement win at that. They handled Waterloo. Nobody really, oh, well, I don't know. I thought that game was going to be a lot closer. I think you probably did too. And now they turn around, they go to the end of the 4-1 Windsor, and they drop one in overtime, 27-24. And, and this comes down to the Windsor defense. It, second week in a row, a team has come out there. Uh, it's not as long of a haul for some of these Western teams as we know to get to Windsor, um, but it's still a trek. And it's still a tough ask for guys that, you know, usually get the night in the hotel to go do it all for a 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. game. And uh, the Windsor defense comes ready to roll every time at home this year so far. Against Guelph, we saw them kind of eliminate any hopes of the run. We saw them force Aaron throws. This week, Andreas Duick, three interceptions. The Windsor defense was all over it. Yeah, and this is what we said. I mean, going back to our preview from last week, this is what we said that Windsor was going to need to do is take the playmakers of the McMaster Marauders off the field. I mean, yes, Duex still had 300 yards or over 300 yards. I think he had like 308, but the three interceptions, no touchdown speaks volume to me because if you look at the, you know, the roster of Mac receivers, Liam Putt, who had two touchdowns the game before against Waterloo, had what maybe over 40 in this one he didn't really he did some damage but not really much no touchdowns not certainly not over 100 for two uh yeah justice allen kind of had a big day he was you know up around over 200 all-purpose yards on the day with his return yards his receiving yards his rushing yards but other than that i mean windsor did all that they could they they forced duet to throw bad balls and three interceptions they you know limited the damage of the mac receiving court i mean justice allen it is what it is he can't win the game by himself regardless of a big day but on the other side of the ball for windsor david denneran one of the things that we said that that windsor was going to need to do was you know rely on their run game to squeeze the clock and drain the clock and that's what they did he had 98 yards 98 net yards at the end of the game and a touchdown and impressive win for windsor yeah it it really was and Matt James made the leaping grab in the end zone from Sam Gerard as well for one of his his touchdown, but one of Sam Gerard's two on the day. Um, but let's start talking about Windsor because we saw them in week one get shelled on the road. Now they've had a bye week and two home games, and they sit at two and one, tied for the tied for the OUA West lead. Uh, you know they they still have the. Worst points for 
and the worst points against out of the three teams at two and one. Um, but you know, here they are two top five wins here. They are two top five wins, two home wins. Um, and I guess the question now becomes when Windsor goes on the road, do we get the week one Windsor or do we get the week three and four Windsor? Because they can't play every game at home. No. And, and that's part of the battle, right? I mean, forcing teams to go all the way to the end of the 401, go all the way to Windsor, which, you know, some of these teams, it's a little bit of a shorter road trip. Some of these teams, it's a longer road trip. Nonetheless, travel is travel. And so far, what's the old adage in football? I mean, defenses and ground games win games. And we are going to get that test next week as the Windsor Lancers, I believe, have to travel to London to face off against the Western Mustangs. So if this defense has been shutting down teams left, right, and center, they're going to need that. And then some next week against the purple Mustangs who have just been rolling so far in the year. Um, On to the next game though. Now that we can kind of talk about the other teams here, Toronto at Carlton, uh, Van Kofnett was thrown again for Carlton and they let him get some passing yards this game. They didn't just end with 43. Uh, he finished 12 of 18 for 185 and two touchdowns. Uh, but once again, the story for the Toronto Varsity Blues is an inability really to get off the field and get the run game stopped. Nathan Carter over 100 yards and a touchdown as he continues to add to his historic career with the Ravens. Yeah, it really was. And that's kind of, you know, we saw it happen against Queens with Rashid Tucker. They turned it around and we said, you know, look, you guys are going to need to be wary of that run game. You need to force Nathan Carter off the field because if Nathan Carter has a day, then it will open up. It will open up the Carlton passing offense. And it did, you know, Van Kofnett didn't have to throw many passes. He threw under 20 in this game again, but he was up over 185, two touchdowns. Keaton Bruglin finds the end zone again for the Carlton oh. Ravens. Oh man, that this guy just was, can't stay out of the end zone. This game was littered with touchdowns or with big plays. I mean, first of all, like the the Nate Carter stuff, like it's tough to hold down running backs when you're you're tackling on the outside isn't great and you're getting pushed off the ball to start. Um, but Keaton Brugling uh, caught a flat route, so like one three yards off the line of scrimmage. Breaks a tackle, spins right away off of it, and just cruises into the end zone. I was blown away. Uh, and then turn it around, and Clay Sequeira, like, hello, the play of the week. We will tweet this out uh, for people that did not catch it, but Clay has the play of the week for us this week. His rushing touchdown where he kind of ran to the right, ran to the left, backed up, and then just took off um, for the score. You know, that's special. Like, you don't see many quarterbacks in – you sports that can do that. I think there are two and everyone knows their names. Uh, it's clay and Trey, but uh, love Grove. We saw him kind of get back into the swing of things. He had a nice corner ball for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, Toronto, Toronto needs to find their footing. Uh, they're, they're going to have a tough matchup, uh, a tough road to get into the playoffs and sitting out one and two, you know, they're going to have to play York twice still. Uh, this is a matchup that they're going to have to kind of take control of against an 0-3 York team whenever they play it, if they are hoping to still make the playoffs, which, I mean, you're 1-2, and two, you're in fourth in your division, every chance in the world to make it. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it starts with their ability just to make that one defensive play at the end of the game that they need. They haven't shown that. Uh, it's going to be a tough road for Toronto to get into the playoffs here, especially because of how good this next team has looked. The Golden Gales all the way at Richardson Stadium in Kingston, Ontario. The Queens Gales pick up another win, the only undefeated team in the OUA right now, a 14-8 to win over the Guelph Griffins. Rashid Tucker, another day, 102 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Wade, dude, you were there, so talk us through this one because – to me, the Gales look untouchable in the East right now. Yes, they, they do look untouchable in the East, and this is going to be the story of their season from here on out. They've played their crossover. Uh, now it's time for them to put it into cruise control, coast to an undefeated record, and have the number one overall seed in the OUA playoffs. Um, Rashid Tucker, 102 yards. I was a hawk on the box scores, just constantly refreshing it. Seeing how close he was, uh, the two touchdowns, he just bullied his way in from the, I think, inside the 10 both times. Um, but for me, this Queens team right now, I've got a couple bones to pick. Uh, Queens, like I said, they they can cruise in right now and go into the OUA playoffs and control the East and have the perfect record. And right now, they should be the favorites to host the Yates Cup. Um, but the beauty and the struggle to this queen's offense is james keenan the electric plays that he brings where he is scrambling and he evades rushers and all of a sudden he tosses a bomb fading away uh, and it lands in the hands of a queen's receiver that's great and when he can stay in rhythm and on timing and he dots a ball 50 yards down on the sideline to richard burton that is phenomenal and you love to see those plays but sometimes, like Jameis Winston said uh, before this season, you got to learn to be Bruce Wayne. You can't be Batman all the time. And what's frustrating for me watching James Keenan is he tries to break every single tackle. And he tries, kind of like Vernon Adams does, to extend every play until the last possible moment and make a big play happen. And that's when some interceptions happen. That's when you take key sacks and... For me to really take Queens as a serious Yates contender, because we know they should be the fate for its to host, but when they have to play the juggernauts from the West, I need to see James Keenan in the second half of this season show me that he can be Bruce Wayne, not take a negative play while you're trying to extend and extend and extend. It's okay to throw it away sometimes. It's okay to check it down. It's you don't have to have every play as a home run swing. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, the one burning question that I have for you still lingering from this game though, is Sean Lawl actually seven feet tall? How big did this dude look on the field? I can't say he's seven feet anymore because I don't think he is, but he looked like he was the tallest guy on their offense. Like he looked huge. And I'm talking like, all the old linemen are standing there. The offense is coming. All of a sudden, Sean Law just starts trotting over, and he's got looks like he's got a couple inches on their guys. Um, but no, he uh, he and DeAndre Rose kind of split time. I think Law was still dealing with a his upper body injury from the week before that caused him to miss the Windsor game. 
Uh, DeAndre Rose in his presence, though, he's quick. He can move around. Uh, I kind of liked what he brought to their offense because with him in there, they were able to almost use him as a decoy runner and create some running lanes for their team. Um, but the Guelph defense is the story of that team. If they if they are going to be a force in the OUA West, it's because this defense is going to fly around. A.J. Allen is so versatile and so multiple off the edge, A gaps, B gaps, play him at depth. He's he's going to make plays wherever you line him up on the field. Uh, then you got guys like Beeksma in the back end who's, you know, seven and a half tackles, one TFL, and, you know, he's making plays on the ball, and they've got some speedy DBs as well. So uh, they're, they're going to be driven by this defense, uh, and I, I think it's a good recipe for success if they can get Sean Law healthy and, uh, get Keegan Dix back on the field as well. We will see who is under center for them this week as they play Waterloo. Another game to keep your eye on, but let's move to the last one of this past week. York taking on Ottawa. Ottawa with a narrow, narrow victory in this one, a 20-17 to 17 win. Gritty performance from kicker Dante Mastro Giuseppe for the York Lions who got hurt in this game. And, uh, you know, he stayed out there and he was battling through some pain. Ottawa, though, three block kicks in this one. And that was kind of the story of it. Their aggressive play on the defense. They had two interceptions on the day as well. Uh, you know, they, they came down with a miracle play to win the game. Ben Miracle dropped back, looked to the right side of the field, absolutely launched a prayer. And it was answered as it went off the hands and the chest plate of a York Lions DB and fell complete into the hands of an Ottawa wide receiver that set them up a few plays later for the touchdown. But man, York in this one, like no word of a lie for three, three and a half quarters in this game looked like the better football team. But here's my, here's my issue with this one. They look like the better football team, but this is the second game this season. We have seen York have three kicks blocked. Three. So they're at six. I forget if Carlton blocked one uh, for them as on them as well. But like you've had at least six kicks blocked. You've played three games. I, I'm I'm struggling to to find where York is going to be dominant or be a threat in the OUA East right now because of that. Like we know how important special teams are, and if you're going to give up three blocked kicks a game. I mean, you're averaging two right now. So whether you had one or two blocked against Carlton or not, uh, two blocked kicks a game. That alone, one block kick a game is something to be concerned about. Two is frightening. Three is just, I don't understand how it happens. It's it's honestly like it's it's giving opposing teams chances for, for points, chances to put more points on the board and, yeah, in this one, it, it took points off the board for the York Lions because Ottawa blocked a field goal in this one as well. So, yeah, no, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, York, for as good as they they did look at times, they did have these moments where they kind of shot themselves in the foot as well. But we'll see what happens. Ottawa escapes this game as they head into a bye week, and they will have to turn it around coming off their bye week. They're going to play Queens, so that is a tough game, but they'll have an extra week to prepare for it. We will see how things shake out with the Ottawa GGs who still have to play those Carlton Ravens one more time this season. And when they do, 
we don't know if we're going to get the same offense performance from Carlton now that Van Kaufman has actually had some games and game reps uh, after being kind of thrust in the Panda game. So that kind of concludes our short OUA schedule for this last week. Uh, we, of course, will be coming back at you guys on Thursday with our previews for this up-and-coming week as we head down the back stretch of the conference schedule. If you've missed any of the games so far this year and you want to catch up or you're looking to catch some of the games up and coming, head over to OUA TV, free to sign up, every game live and on demand. And if you want to check out the stats, schedules, and standings, along with some stories and the game week rosters, head over to OUA.ca. All right, so we are officially at the halfway point of the U Sports football season. It feels like we haven't been talking about it for that long, but, you know, we're four weeks in. Crazy. I mean, four weeks in in the OUAs. Some conferences started early. Some started a little bit later. But nonetheless, we are calling this the halfway point. So we are going to give you some thoughts on U sports football right now. So let's start in the East. I mean, a while back, we put out our season predictions. It's time to Christmas time. Okay. Of 2020. Yeah. So we've had uh, 10 months. And 11 days since, because uh, it was about New Year's, 10 months and 11 days since we put these out, uh, where a lot has changed, a lot has gone wrong, a lot has definitely made us look wrong, and some things have made us look quite right. The AUS, not one of those things. We had had same effects uh, as the second worst team in the conference back then. They are kind of leading the conference at 3-0. and So uh, Acadia, with all their losses, has faltered to 1-2. and St. Mary's at one and three as well. So uh, bringing up the back end for them. When we look at the AUS though, Connor, what have you kind of been excited by? St. FX, honestly, like St. FX playing as well as they have through the first few weeks of the season has been awesome to see. I mean, Bishops has looked pretty threatening. I wouldn't say like threatening in the sense that they're going to win the conference this year, but threatening in the sense that it looks like they're building a pretty solid foundation over there. Um, and, you know, honestly, like St. Mary's as well, they've pulled out some wins where I've been impressed. Yeah. And when we look at both those teams, one and two, one and three respectively, but their points for points against is quite close. Bishop's only a negative five, whereas it's a negative 15 for St. Mary's through three games. It's not a wide margin of loss and victory for them. Um, so it's going to be every game coming down to the wire out on the East coast. And I'm, I'm thrilled to see the competitive nature of it. Uh, whenever we get time to see this team in the, these teams in the playoffs and crossing over, I'm expecting them to bring that confidence with them because they have been playing great defense out there. Uh, and defense is something that can translate very well across the conference. It just depends on who you match up with and what scheme they play. Um, defense travels, right? Like defense, we know that defense can travel with you. Um, it can keep you in games that you may not otherwise be in. Um, but when we look at the AUS as a whole, X, Mount A are currently the cream of the crop, um, with everyone else just kind of dog fighting it out for one of the final spots. So let's move into the Quebec conference now. Wade, let us know how we're doing there. I think we're a little bit closer in these ones than we were in the AUS. We were close. Okay. We knew that Laval Montreal would be a toss up. Uh, currently, 
Montreal has a better Laval. We had it the other way around. And Sherbrooke and McGill, we had flipped. We did not see Sherbrooke sneaking out that first week win. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, we had uh, Concordia slot in at the third spot. Uh, they're a bit over 500. We had them finishing at 500. But uh, I think they are kind of the talk right now. I mean, Olivier uh, Roy has been one of the top players in U Sports, certainly going to be garnering national award uh, attention as we head down the backstretch. But uh, what has really popped out to you with Concordia? Yeah, well, you mentioned their quarterback. And you mentioned their quarterback, and, and he's been the player that has stood out to me most through this season. He had a game where he was over 500 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, that's incredible. You talk about national award talk. So let's talk about that game right there. Uh, great play from their quarterback and just really as a team so far through this year. I mean, they played great defensively. Kadeem Pierre is another player to watch on the defensive side of the ball for the Stingers as well. But, uh, you know, I, I did think that Concordia was going to come out looking like one of these teams that was a little bit more poised than maybe a McGill or a Sherbrooke as, as we look at the Quebec conference, but I didn't think Concordia was going to come out looking this good uh, and pulling out some of the wins that they have. Absolutely. And your guy Hassan Doso out with the Montreal Carabins has been putting on a show in recent weeks as well. Uh, so as we head down the final stretch, I believe we get one more matchup between Montreal and Laval before we get to the playoffs so we could get a triple dose of that fantastic rivalry of course we saw it come down to a missed field goal uh in their first meeting but the quebec conference i mean concordia could upset either of those teams we've seen sherbrooke upset montreal in week one in a a rare circumstance and this this conference could come down to the wire uh, any team could upset anyone once we get to the playoffs. So we will have to keep an eye on La Belle Province. Moving east, though, let's talk about the OUA. We got we talk about it enough, but uh, what has shocked us so far, I think it's got to be Queens, right? I mean, besides everything in the OUA right now, I mean, yeah, it's probably Queens. I mean, you look at the OUA West. Uh, Windsor is pulling out wins. Guelph's winning over Western. Western is losing games that we didn't see Western lose before. Mac is dropping games. Waterloo is spiking all over the place. But to me, yeah, it's absolutely Queens being 4-0 right now. I get there's this East-West split, and people have their, their opinions on that. But nonetheless, Queens being 4-0 right now and, and playing the type of football that they have played has stood out to me most through the OUA so far, especially when we look at what Rashid Tucker is doing for that offense. It's not a shock that Rashid Tucker is playing this well, but you know, it helps generate offense, which leads to wins that they have been producing so far this season. And when you have them go for, you know, almost 200 yards, over 200 yards total and two touchdowns in a game, and then turn around and go for over hundred and two touchdowns again. I mean, come on, maybe, maybe some early OUA MVP talk. Uh, it's not early now. We're halfway through the schedule. But with Queens, I mean, this is a team that we talked about as a year away. We knew they had pieces. We knew they had dogs like Rashid Tucker and Anthony Federico. But we thought that they just needed one more year to pull it together, tighten the reins, kind of grow as a group, take some battle-hardened moments where you're losing a close game or you're you're going through and you have the lead and you blow it or you have a big comeback win just to get that kind of war test i guess uh but we did not see them going 4-0 and as far as the schedule you can complain all you want but when it comes down to it 
you don't make your schedule. You play the teams that you are handed in front of you and you control your fate that way. Queens has done that. They've controlled their fate every step of the way. Um, they have won in every single game. And currently I believe they have the lowest points against in the country uh, through four games. And that's even lower than Manitoba. Who's only played two. So uh, for Queens, like you're doing everything you can within your schedule to prove that you are the top dog and they're going to be a force uh, through the rest of the East. And we'll see how they fare in the Yates cup playoffs. An opportunity to host for them as well. Like we did mention we will earlier get to in the show. We will get to that. Time for let, can West. Yeah. Let's talk about the can West. <laughs> Things we're shocked by not really shocked by the fill pots fall under the not so shocking. Uh, I didn't think we, they were going to be like this good. Like I knew we knew no, they were going to no, be no, good, no. but like, oh, <laughs> come on. You did not think they were going to go for like combined 400 a yards in a game. game. Come on. <laughs> Get no, out of my we, grill with that nonsense. We knew they were unstoppable. We just didn't know they would be this featured in the offense this early on in the year, right? Like oh, we knew that nobody can cover them one-on-one. We knew that they were going to find a way to impact the game on like punt returns or a deep shot here and there but they've just been straight up unguardable and JJ's find them like find the open man. It's always the fill pots. Like that's nothing against JJ or the scheme that coach Sheehan's running. It's just, if you want completions and to move the ball, pretty good chances. You're going to do that when you target Jalen and Tyson. Yeah. I mean, that's the game plan, right? Like throw it up, find a fill pot. I mean, Really, and when they're that good, like it's warranted, right? Like it, it again, like you said, nothing against the offense or JJ or or Coach Harris. Like it's just like those two players are just that good. They're just that much better than everybody else. It just becomes find a fill pot. That's your game plan when all else fails. But the the team, or I guess the thing that's really really impressing me in the Can West right now is the level that the Regina Rams are playing at. Like. We, we admittedly, we had the Rams finishing as the last place team in the Cam West. And, and, you know, since we put that out, I mean, we talked to Coach McConkie. Did we light a fire under their ass? Maybe a little bit because they're coming out and playing some darn good ball. Well, I mean, they're sitting at one and one. Uh, they've gotten a win over the current, well, former top ranked team in Calgary. Um, but for them, like they lost a close one at the start of the year to Manitoba. They come back, they beat Calgary at home in Mosaic. And now they're kind of set up for the rest of their season. They're going to have to play Saskatchewan twice uh, coming down the stretch in Can West, which is going to be a dogfight. Uh, but for the Regina Rams, I mean, it's great for us when we have competitive football. And the more competitive teams we have, the more interesting it gets, just like Windsor in the OUA West. It gets better when everyone is kind of on an equal playing field and anyone can win in any given week. Yeah. Yeah, no, it certainly does. I mean, this year, I mean, you sports football as a whole this year has just been so much fun to watch. And, you know, it's, it's been because it's been, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or COVID or whatever, not being able to play, what have you, but this year, feel free to, you know, disagree with me on this one, but this year of U sports football has felt like the most competitive and the most entertaining year that I can remember in a long while. There's not been this many teams jostling for, you know, first place. There's not been this many teams 
going and moving in and out of the U Sports top 10 week in, week out. So I don't know. It's just been it's been a wild ride so far. We are not done yet. There's still lots of football to be played. So let's talk about the second half of the U Sports football season and how we see that kind of falling. I mean, obviously these teams are now getting into their groove, finding their rhythm. Like, do we see Calgary finishing first in in Camp West? Do we see Western finishing first in the OUA? Is it Laval's to win in the Quebec Conference? Like, how do you see the rest of this shaking out for U Sports football? Well, we talked about Queens, so we'll start there. Uh, Queens currently undefeated. They've played their crossover. They just have the OUA East left to play. Uh, and for Queens, this is where you put her into high gear. You take home the rest of your schedule and you dominate. I mean, you're going to get a bye week in there as well. Um, but Queens, as the only undefeated team remaining uh, in the conference, you can host the Yates Cup. You can get full capacity at Richardson Stadium under the new provincial guidelines. You should be 110% gunning for not just a Yates Cup appearance, but you want that home field advantage because you and I both know, Connor, when Queens football is playing well and they're in the playoffs at home, let alone a Yates Cup, Richardson Stadium of old, we haven't seen it in the new stadium yet, but Richardson of old, Got to be quite insane. I expect Richardson of new to kind of get to that level as well if they do end up hosting a Yates Cup. But that should be primary objective right now. Uh, finish out your schedule. I mean, you want to win every game. Like this is, I, I sound redundant in saying this, but you want to be hosting that Yates Cup. You don't want to go on the road. Make other teams travel to you, especially if it's a Western team. You want them having to take that long trip into Kingston for a one o'clock start where then you can have a raucous home field advantage and grind out a win. Oh, please, 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 please give me that rematch in Kingston, Western Queens. Oh boy. I'd absolutely love it. Um, Can West though. I mean, I mean, let's, let's go out East. Let's, you know, jump the map a little bit. We, we're pretty linear most of the time. So let's jump around a little bit. Let's go to the Can West. I mean, Calgary certainly still looks like one of the best teams in the country. I mean, yes, they lost to Regina, but you know, Regina played a damn good game. But I, I still believe in in Wayne Harris's Calgary Dinos. I still believe in these Josiah Joseph quarterback Calgary Dinos. You know, you heard what we had to say about the Philpop brothers, but I, I firmly believe the Calgary Dinos are, are still one of the best teams in the country. I certainly still think they have an opportunity to win the Canadian. I still certainly believe they have an opportunity to win the Cam West conference. I mean, obviously that conference is as competitive as it has been in, in recent years, but you know, there's teams like Sask, Regina, Manitoba that could get in the way, but I still think that if Calgary can finish out the season, maybe that's their only loss on the season and, and play the type of football that we know the brand of football that we know from the Calgary Dinos, like it's, it's still theirs to lose. But with Calgary, here it comes because we get Manitoba, who's 2-0 right now. Um, you play Manitoba next week. Then you play Alberta, UBC. Those should be winnable games. And then you finished out with Sask. If they win these next three matches, I mean, at Manitoba is no sludge. Like, that's a tough travel uh, for them to have. And then you get two home games before you're on the road again. Uh, you, those are three must wins for the Calgary Dinos. You need to get yourself back on track, get your defense back on track. 
and really set the stage for that November 6th matchup against the Huskies because that's what your season's going to come down to. Whether you're ahead of them, tied with them, behind them right now in the standings, it's going to come down to you in Saskatchewan. I truly believe that these are the two top class teams in Can West, whether Regina has beaten Calgary or not. I, I firmly believe that. Um, and I, I think it's going to come down to that final matchup to determine a lot in this conference. At the halfway point, are we ready to make Vanny Cup predictions? Are we bold enough to do so? Oh, uh, my halfway predictions. Well, do we want to do like final four prediction? Do you just want to go straight out Vanier predictions? Ooh, let's go final four into Vanier. Okay, one team, one gonna... team to emerge from each conference, and then we'll we'll pick our Vanniers. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> on the spot, on the here, spot. Right? Give me, give me Calgary. Okay, I'm gonna take Calgary. Give me Western. Uh, I like their secondary way too much this year to to pick against them. Uh, Laval. They're they're on a war path right now, and then X, give me X as well. So then, uh, I believe it's AUS at OUA this year. So give me Western against. It'd be X. Oh, you said X if you have X winning. No, the... no, 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 no. I'm picking. I'm picking my Vanier. Western against oh, Calgary. Yeah, okay. Western Calgary, give it to me. Uh, I'm saying Calgary flies out to Laval Stadium. Familiar ground and the Philpots put on a show like they did in the Vanier in 2019. So give me a Western Calgary Vanier Cup. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Well, coming out of the AUS, I too have the Santa Fe X-Men out of the Quebec Conference. I'm going with the Laval Rouge or I think it's a revenge tour. They're looking like they have got their stuff mad. together right now. They are they, mad man, right now. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, they dropped a decent chunk of change on the heads of those Concordia Stingers last week as well. So we uh, we'll we'll see. But I think it's I think it's Laval's conference right now. Uh, in the OUA, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I have the I Queens Gales. Oh. <laughs> no, oh my goodness, bold take, but not that bold. I have the Queens Gales coming out of the OUA and in the Cam West, I, I got to agree with you. It's Calgary after, especially after everything I just said about the dinos. Um, I have the, the dinos coming out of Cam West. I am going to roll with a 2009 Vanier rematch, the Calgary dinos squaring off against the Queens Gales for the Vanier cup in 2021 here. You see, like I, I look at Laval right now and they're just stomping on people left right and center and i'm kind of getting to the point with laval where it's like okay you guys clearly have your act together but but we haven't seen you squeak out a, like we saw you squeak out a tight game against mcgill who's currently last in your conference but you lost your other close games so i like i'm not i'm not really sure what we get with with this Laval team yet I mean when they play Montreal again then we'll probably get a better idea but uh, I'm just not sure like they're clearly on a war path and they're clearly going to be contenders but I'm just not sure how far it's going to go 
Like my if thing, that makes Le- sense. yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. My thing with Laval is like, yeah, we haven't seen them like to your point, we haven't seen them squeak out a tight win, but we also haven't seen Laval have to play a team with a set of receivers like the Calgary Dinos have like plain and simple. I don't think anybody, nobody, in the country nobody has, has a passing has that, attack like but, that. Nobody has a passing attack outright. Like, and that's going to be tough to defend, especially for teams that, you know, the Cam West has the advantage in, you know, Saskatchewan and those teams, Saskatchewan, Regina, they get to see it like what, twice a year. These OUA teams or whoever it may be an X team or these OUA teams, Quebec conference teams, AUS teams, they haven't seen receivers like these two in their own conference. No, but it comes down to like conference styles, right? Like we always talk about that where the OUA is a power conference, the, Quebec conference is like a tried and true power conference as well, where you're going to grind it out. You're going to get a lot of like 70, 30 run to pass. Whereas can West, you get like, everyone has their outliers, right? Like X can throw St. Mary's can throw out East, but then you get an Acadia. We saw them throw left, right and center, but then you had bishops who's a ground and pound team, but you don't get the level of each like you get in the can west where like these dbs are facing off in practice daily against one of the top aerial attacks then they have to turn around and twice a year they play against adam mackert and one of the best offensive lines in the country so they're used to both styles that you can't really shock them with offensive line size and strength or speed and skill of receivers because they deal with it on a daily basis and a weekly basis um whereas the oua like you get teams that are just so pass heavy, like a Toronto where you get a team that's so hell bent on having two guys over 125 yards rushing, like a Western. Um, And you don't have to play those teams every year. And this year, especially you don't have to play everyone. So, I mean, Calgary to me, just, they get to see it all compared to a Laval compared to a, a St. FX. So I, I, I'm comfortable in my picks, but I I just feel weird about Laval because like, they look so dominant, but I'm just hitting the pause button. It's just, it's so different when once you get outside of your own conference and once you're playing teams that you don't see all year and haven't seen for the past however many years. But I'm very excited to get to this second half of U Sports Football. We did a massive deep dive on U Sports Football today. And if you missed any of the CFL action, we'll talk about that on Thursday uh, as we preview what's coming up this week but quickly Toronto won both of their games uh in the two a week section uh Boris BD hit the field goal winner over Hamilton yesterday they stomped the Red Blacks last Wednesday uh Tuesday whatever night in the middle of the week it was uh Winnipeg cruised over the Elks Stamps went back to back on Sask and Montreal Came out with a win today, despite Vernon Adams going down uh, as they took out Ottawa. So there you go for your CFL catch up quickly. (laughs) Yeah. uh, If you've missed anything that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, last month, last two months, heck, last year and eight months, whatever we're at now, go back and check us out at CF Perspective, however you get your podcasts uh, and also... If you want to file, find us on social media at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at CF Perspective. So uh, if you guys are getting ready for game day, please hit up fox40shop.com, enter the code CFP15, and get 15% off your next purchase, which could include coaching boards, gear, merch, 
and the Trilayer Whistle Mask. So head over fox40shop.com, enter the code CFP15. And don't forget to stock your fridge with the lovely Sada City Brewing Company who offers brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This October, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code. So use CFL during checkout to receive free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Must be of legal drinking age to get in on that. That winds down our Tuesday show. We are going to be dropping the OUA Players of the Week on Wednesday because of Thanksgiving. So look out for those on Wednesday. That does it. We are out and we will catch you guys on Thursday.